0: Well, everyone, welcome to a special Love Rinse Repeat. I am in the room today. It's a rare one with Michael Morrison, who's the Senior Lecturer in Systematic Theology and Ethics at Charles Stewart University, teaching at the United Theological College in Sydney, which is where we are recording this right now, in leafy North Parramatta. Uh, he received his PhD in Theology from the University of Notre Dame, uh, and he previously taught for seven years at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. His books include Christ Existing as Community, Bonhoeffer's Ecclesiology, which came out in 2018, The Freedom of a Christian Ethicist, The Future of a Reformation Legacy, which was co-edited with Brian Brock, and the just released Oxford Handbook of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, co-edited with Philip Ziegler. Uh, that's a bit about your output, but Mike, do you want to let people know a little about you and uh, you know where you're from and what led you here to this place, and, and I guess why. You know, you're interested in doing this thing that you're doing.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Liam. And just to say it's wonderful to be here and I've enjoyed your podcast. So it's um, it's an honour to be able to uh, be interviewed on it. Um, perhaps I'll give a, a just a very broad overview of who I am. And then if you've got questions, I'm happy to answer specifics. So I'm from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, I grew up and lived in New Zealand for a long time. I studied history and religious studies at Victoria University of Wellington and then for around uh, eight years in my 20s I was involved in an intentional Christian community, urban vision and I was mostly working with at-risk youth and helping run foster homes for teenagers. And I also lived at the Ngāpiawa River Monastery just out of Wellington in its early years as well. is as, uh, as you mentioned I, um, I studied at the University of Notre Dame so in my late 20s I uh, moved over to the US for doctoral studies and focused specifically on Christian ethics so just had a you know a wonderful chance to uh, uh, you know learn from the extraordinary scholars and people teaching at that place and um, you know, enjoyed the long US PhD program with coursework mm. and exams, and then more recently, I've I've lived in Scotland for a number of years and taught at Aberdeen University there. And uh, just a few months ago, I came down to Australia, uh, teaching at the United Theological College, and just enjoying the new students and questions uh, that are pressing at this end of the world. So. Uh, learning more about Australian history and uh, Australia's complex position in the Pacific, and reading a little more of postcolonial theology mm. and theory and um, um, some new things as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I saw recently just when you mentioned uh, where you group that the uh, you know it was one of these probably um, clickbait pieces, but I think that somewhere recently voted sexiest accent in the world was the <laughs> New Zealand accent. I mean, has that been your experience um, as you not- travel the world over? <laughs> uh,
1: I think, uh, I, like certainly in North America, it, it, it's an unfamiliar accent, so mm. I had to repeat myself um, mm. um, multiple times, and any uh, any
0: sexiness, <laughs> sexiness of accent was probably undermined. By that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not I'm not the one to comment on that. All right, fair. So we're talking, uh, well, we're going to talk about discipleship today, and um, and what kind of launched this off was you're teaching a course. Uh, starting next week this is going to go up just in time that if anyone wants to audit this course the information will be in the show notes you still can uh but even still it was a good chance to kind of uh explore discipleship which is something you've you know, written a bunch about but the, the course is suffering christ's call christian discipleship and the way of the cross now just before we get into the cross the course specifically you're teaching it as an intensive and i just want to know how do you prepare to teach an intensive knowing you know it's a lot of hours back to back. Are there, like, is there anything resembling a rocky uh, Balboa mm-hmm. montage that's going into this preparation t- to be able to, to lead such a thing?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, I'll have to think on the montage, <laughs> and it's it's uh, something I could definitely do with. Uh, so, so we'll meet for six or seven hours each day over the five days um, uh, next week. And... There'll be some lectures, but really a lot of discussion and just trying to work through uh, complex theological texts and, you know, work out what different authors are Mm. claiming and what's at stake with it. So the main way I prepare is just just by rereading this material myself and taking notes and trying to sort of really, um, um, you know, make some of the points and connections, um, you know, clear in my Mm. own head so I can then sort of express some when I'm teaching um, and yeah, as you mentioned, I've, I've done bits of writing around discipleship and suffering. So I'll draw on some of my own material in the lectures as well. And I've also taught a version of this
0: course before, um, mm-hmm. although I've, I've made some improvements and changes. <laughs> <That's Yeah. good. laughs> um, well, so, so let's get into the course then. So suffering Christ call Christian discipleship and the way of the cross I mean, already established right there is—is this link between between following Jesus and then suffering and death and persecution? You know, so it's light (laughs) and breezy stuff for a summer course uh, taught near the beach. Uh, But I guess it raises an important question because that's not necessarily the way you have to speak about. Maybe it is the way you have to speak about following Christ, but it's not always the way it it is. I'm wondering, like. Like, is it a good thing to be a disciple? Like, this sounds like you know, right, right off the bat, that it's about you know, death and your suffering and uh, trial and and uh, pain. Uh, so, I guess you know, is this something we you know should be wishing on anyone? And uh, so, or maybe the question you might want to take from that is, um, like, is there another way to talk about being a disciple, or does it have to be linked to yeah to the r- t- tough stuff?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's excellent. So there's a few things in there. Um you know, let me have a go and if I miss mm-hmm. anything, right. um I'll come back. So in terms of, you know, should we should we wish discipleship on anyone? Um you know the short answer is probably not. Mm-hmm. And I think we perhaps do people a disservice if we promote the Christian life as one of happiness and fulfillment, you know, or or indeed any life. I think um, you know, often often Understanding life in those terms, or pursuing those sorts of things, can lead to problems. Um, you know, the failure to recognise suffering wow. and our constant attempts to avoid it or protect ourselves against it can often lead us to, um, you know, avoid it. What's looking? You know, avoid looking at what's going on around us, and you know, can lead us to damage ourselves and others. Mm. Um, you know, especially those of us who hold more privileged positions in the world. Um, So, so, you know, no, we shouldn't (laughs) wish discipleship on anyone. I do think, you know, reading the Gospels carefully, um, it's part of what the Christian life is. And, um, you know, those of us who claim to be Christian need to do something with that. You know, we need to do something with the fact that the cross is the central symbol or message of, um, you know, how God becomes present in the world um, yeah so in terms of you also made the comment you know uh, teaching a course on discipleship and suffering um in beautiful port mm. macquarie mm. next to the beach uh, like i guess you know the first point here is it will be stuck inside all week so then <laughs> itself um will be its own form mm. of suffering yeah. and you know perhaps um, drive the point mm. home Um, And the more serious point would be, what what does it mean to read theology or to discuss theology in somewhere like Port Macquarie Mm. this summer? Um, You know, that is in the wake of the bushfires and their impact. Mm. And I'd planned the course several months ago, but inevitably it's now become something different. Mm. Um, um, You know, given this last few weeks and what's gone on, um, you know, we can't read the material in the same way and you know even if we do read the same material um it it sounds different and it's it's going to have different effects Mm. um and you know my hope is that the experiences of um, the last few weeks can sort of press us into scripture and theological reflections on suffering in new ways Mm. and uh you know help us to see new things and vice versa that um, um, you know, these reflections might have something to offer us, mm. um, even if, if slightly indirectly, or or not in a direct way. Um, I think I missed some of the things in your. No, your no, I, yeah. no.
0: That's that's great. I mean, because I guess there is because there's other ways to talk about you know living a Christian life, which is you know we, we we you know share have a share in the eternal life, or we live you know in the glory of the resurrection. Yeah. Um, that, that don't kind of really centre that way of the cross. But I guess, you know, given what you're saying about, you know, that, that, that happiness is not too, you know, the, the best thing to ground one's life on and, and, or that the, you know, the fires and, and other things that are going on in our world is like that there's something more powerful, more poignant, even though it seems like antithetical, in, in making sure that the discipleship is, is linked primarily to this way of the cross, to suffering Christ's call, mm-hmm. to knowing Christ crucified, uh, that there's this this importance in seeing that as the starting point rather than like framing it more so in a, um, after some of these other equally theological ideas of, of mm-hmm. you know, we are sharing a share in the resurrection and we are invited into an eternal and abundant life.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. Um, And, and I think part of what I'm, trying to do with the course and also with my own work more generally is just just to encourage us to sit for a little longer with the cross in the the centrality of the cross and to sit with the sort of messiness and complexity of being in the midst of things and not always seeing the way out um, you know we have faith and hope in the resurrection and in our own resurrection resurrected lives but in the here and now it's not always something that we have access to directly Um, and I'm always you know just slightly nervous about kinds of theology that play down the cross or move to resurrection a little too quickly or you know focus on the joy and the celebration Mm. and I'm sure that there's a place for that and I'm sure that um, you know theologies that move in that direction can offer us all sorts of things but um, I, I again I'm just worried that they sort of tempt us to look too quickly beyond our own suffering and situations and perhaps especially the, the situations of others. Mm. Um, um, you know so my own gamble is that there's, there's something something to be gained by just you know sitting in the midst of things a little bit longer. Um, and you know thinking of the ways that the resurrection presses us back. To the cross, and you know, helps us recognize mm. this is, you know, this is God here in this moment of pain and suffering, um, um, you know, so, um, you know, so that we can sort of live in our own suffering mm. with hope and faith, mm. but, um, but not in a way that's that's trying to escape that or or simply deny that.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: does that make sense? Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, yeah and I, I'm in and I'm in agreement, but I think you know, an important maybe critique or question line of questioning that might emerge at this point, which, which comes, you know, from, you know, this, this um, focus on the cross, this attention to we know Christ in this moment of crucifixion, that's the, you know, this great revelation of God in that moment. And that then our suffering, so our discipleship, you know, follows this way of the cross and, and, you know, sees that suffering is you know, somehow tied so centrally to all that, that, you know, that might sound some alarm bells for some because you know that's often being quite you know an abused uh, mm-hmm. theme in the Christian tradition the idea that well yes some people do just have to suffer because that's what Christ did um, or you know hey you know yes you're being mistreated by your husband mm-hmm. um, but that you know being abused but that's you know suffer that gladly and you know redeem him through your witness to christ who also suffered that, that this kind of yeah or, you know yeah, that you know and you see it both structurally like in the way that you know marginalized people have been told to you know hey you know that's the way of the cross and that's the cross you have to bear or that very much that language of people put a cross on you that you have to bear and then on more micro um p- yeah. private matters too so so i guess you know how do we talk about because there is this clear link and I think, as you say, it does give hope and it is an important tie. And and the, there is a problem with that kind of theology of glory and what that can also lead to um, in the political. But So so we need to talk about this link and it's important and one that provides hope and meaning. But then how do we do that without slipping into this, hey, that's the cross you have to bear, when really that's just, uh, you know, societal mm-hmm. oppression and nothing to do with the way of Jesus?
1: Yeah, no, that's it's, uh,
0: it's excellent. And just... acknowledge I think that's an
1: incredibly important point and it's the risk that uh, any theology of the cross needs to constantly be wary of you know how do we recognize Mm. God's presence and suffering without thereby endorsing suffering per se Mm. or saying that you know this can just continue or should just continue Um, you know how do we recognize God's presence Mm. and suffering without you know thereby being silent and complicit about Um, you know, the suffering and abuse of others. Um, You you know, it's probably a risk that any theological discussion of suffering has to run, and it's certainly something that I think a lot of theologians have done damage, um, you know, by not speaking carefully enough Mm. or by not sort of thinking through the implications of this, um, um, you know, with enough fear and trembling, if you like. Um, so, so you know, just just to acknowledge that that you know that's um, absolutely crucial one of the one of the biggest changes I've made to the version of the course that I'm teaching next week is to try and address this a little more directly, and specifically, I, we're going to devote one of the days to thinking about how a theology of the cross can contribute to Protest movements and resistance to oppression, mm. and here is you know here I'm working on uh, I'm drawing in some of the work of um, uh, the Bonhoeffer scholar Jenny McBride and her involvement in uh, the project of liberal theology, and uh, even more so on M. Sean Copeland's work. Mm. Um, so what I'm trying to draw out is the ways in which recognising suffering and attending to suffering is always political and, um, uh, you know, facilitates kinds of radical political engagement in the world. So it's not just a, um, um, you know, recognising of suffering at an existential level or as a kind of speculation, but, um, um, you know, it's in ways that, that, need to lead to empowerment and uh response and i'm aware you know um again this is something we'll be spending a whole day on mm. so here i've you know simply mm. acknowledged that it's an issue and um, um you know it's it's something that needs to be thought through very carefully um, um but my hope is that um you know with the help of copeland and, mm. and mcbride we'll be able to do some of that
0: yeah no, that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, now, I always knew it could be dangerous doing this this interview in your office because <laughs> I, I, I am at risk of just being distracted looking at the bookshelves uh, and, and, you know, glancing around at what I should put in my, you know, wish list. Uh, but but you know, since I'm thinking about the books and, and you mentioned uh, Copeland just then, you know, you, you're going to cover a range of thinkers in the course from from Julian of Norwich to Copeland as mentioned to Bonhoeffer to Luther to John Swinton. Uh, are there any that you're... You know, particularly excited about about engaging within the classroom setting, uh, and then I guess is there something that this is like you know this is a, a group of thinkers that range centuries and continents and um, schools of theology and and different confessional backgrounds. Uh, is is there anything that you feel like kind of holds them together that that brings them into a course like this, or is it very much the the fact that they're going to bounce off each other uh, that that excites you about? Having them read together. Mm. No,
1: that, that's good. Um, so, so you know, one of the wonderful things about teaching theology is you get to set the us uh, get to set the syllabus or pick you know what the texts will be. And I, I've picked texts that have inspired me or have helped me at different points in my life, or um, you know, have helped me get out of bed and keep mm. going in the midst of things. So, all of the texts are ones that. Um, Uh, you know, I've learned something from and I think are worth, you know, sitting with and talking about. Um, You know, there are continuities that run between them. Uh, They're all theologians, and I think they've all got interesting things to say about uh, suffering and discipleship. I have also tried to pick some very different voices, and there's points in which I think um, you know, they diverge or think about the Christian life in, in some different ways. Um, um, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, so so I, I taught M. Sean Copeland's work for the first time in a different course last year, um, and it was a different book. It was her Enfleshing uh, Freedom, but I just found it incredibly rich and it facilitated some great discussion. So I'm looking forward to just, just an afternoon uh, talking about Uh, who she is Mm. and some of the um, important contributions and insights that she brings to theology. And I'm also looking forward to um, uh, the session on Julian of Norwich. Um, Mm -hmm. So she's someone who I haven't spent a whole lot of time with in the past. Um, And it was was a short book by Amy Laura Hall called Laughing at the Devil Mm. that really just got me excited about her work and Mm. helped me see the the political implications and the more radical implications of um, you know, how she talks about God's providence mm. and um, you know, bodily experiences of, of God's love in the midst of crisis. So I'm looking forward to mm. the whole week and, and all of the discussions, but perhaps those two in particular, in part because uh, they're a little newer to me. So, mm. you know, I'm still trying to sort of work out what's going on and, yeah. and think it through.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, so, um, if people know you, Mike, you're a a Bonhoeffer scholar (laughs) Uh, and I was thinking about it, if the public, well, and there's plenty of public who have no idea what that name means, but if you know a little about Bonhoeffer, the first two things you probably know is, uh, arrested in prison and eventually executed for involvement in a plot to kill Hitler. And the second thing might be wrote a book about discipleship. Mm -hmm. Um, what's the third thing people (laughs) should know about Bonhoeffer? If That's the two.
1: Yeah, okay. So, um, oh my gosh, so so the third thing people should know about them. Um, Let me circle back to that. So, I'm not, uh, like, I never really set out to be a Bonhoeffer scholar. And every New Year's Eve, I make a commitment to try and do less reading and writing on Bonhoeffer and to diversify my canon (laughs) a little bit. And then, for some reason, like, I guess with all New Year's resolutions, um, you know, a few months (laughs) later, I found myself sort of reading Bonhoeffer again, yeah. or i've come across something new that's uh you know got me thinking in a new way mm. know, in a new direction, and I think you know with any good theologian um, he presses us back into the complexities of life and um you know how we see all things in relation to god and I think this is the case with uh, discipleship certainly, but also with um with his writing more broadly. Um, you know, again, how do we surrender some of our own ideals and agenda and actually begin being present and attending to those around us? So so I guess if there's a third thing, it's that. It's, it's you know, a way of doing theology. Um, you, you know, what's the third thing we should know about Bonhoeffer? It gives us a way of doing theology that's close to the ground and it's constantly sort of pressing us back into life. Yeah. And... Um, you know, helping us to look outwards mm. uh, um, um, towards others.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's really helpful. So I was thinking about before, actually, so you mentioned in your little introduction how you were involved in kind of an intentional Christian community that mm. was, you know, living together and working with people who were at risk and helping to, um, you know, provide homes and, 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 and you know, had a, a monastery connection as well. I might have jumbled yeah, a bunch of there. that up. Um, but Bonhoeffer also wrote, you know, Life Together and reflected on what it is to live in Christian community while studying theology and uh, and I'm wondering about that, both your experience and then reading of Bonhoeffer's work and its link to discipleship, yeah. what that has informed about your understanding of discipleship, because I think there might have been some people who have heard that introduction and then gone, well, that seems like the perfect place to learn to be a disciple rather yeah. than the classroom setting and not to put yeah, sure. one off against the no, other, no. but... I'm just curious as, as thinking about both Bonhoeffer's work on this living together and, and your own experience and how that has shaped what you think about discipleship. Yeah,
1: sure. So so the Urban Vision community, or, or re, really it's a network of communities, is still going strong in New mm. Zealand and um, you know, still involved in uh, a lot of the same sorts of things. And um, my own involvement throughout my 20s certainly helped me to th- Think about the world in ways that have profoundly affected how I do theology. Um, um, you know, even even when I'm doing academic theology, mm. um, it, like it took me it took me a long time to come to the point of seeing uh, theology and teaching theology as a as a legitimate vocation or as an expression of. Um, um, you know, following Christ and attending to, um, you know, vulnerability, mm. you know, both my own and that of others. Mm. Um, and um, my, you know, my hope is that this is a legitimate vocation. Um, um, you know, I'm not living in community in quite the same way that I was. And, um, you know, I don't have uh, quite the same involvements, but, um, 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 but again, you know, my hope is that theology can sort of help to, um, um, you know, facilitate mm-hmm. and resource, um, you know, how all of us are sort of called mm-hmm. to, um, uh, you know, those same kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I guess I'll find out for sure in the final <laughs> judgment. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but I, you know, again, I've, you know, I've tried to live in a way that, that, um, Remains attentive to some of those things mm-hmm. and keeps keeps some of those things in in life as well. Um, um, but yeah, like though you know those in New Zealand, all those going to New Zealand, um, I you know Urban Vision just a fantastic group of of friends,
0: and mm. um, it's it's well worth sort of trying to spend some time there. Mm. Yeah, thank you for that. So so you've written this about you know on, on uh, reflecting on Christ crucified and, and Bonhoeffer's work in this area. You have. Uh, that God is present in Christ's human suffering challenges our assumptions about who God is and how God works, and this of course, is the whole point point. and then quoting Bonhoeffer, if it is God who says if it is God who says where he is to be found, then it will probably be at a place that is not as all commensurate with my own nature, and that doesn't please me at all. And then you continue the offense of the cross helps us to relinquish our own assumptions and ideas. And to instead turn to and wait upon the God who comes to us in Christ, so so I guess that and it's interesting because uh, the Copeland book just has this as its title. I guess when when thinking about being a disciple of Christ, what does it mean to know Christ crucified?
1: Yeah, okay, good. Um, so so the quote the quote there comes from Bonhoeffer. Um, but it's deeply Lutheran language, this, mm. you know, this idea of the offence of the cross or the cross as a stumbling block that, well, you know, it's poor mm. language as well. Mm. Um, so this way in which we're, um, you know, we're forced to stop short, to question ourselves and how we think the world works and, you know, forced to rely a little more on God and others. Mm. And that's, you know, that's a central theme of what I'm trying to draw out with this, with this focus on suffering and the cross. Um, and, and in terms of the specific language of knowing Christ crucified, like, I guess, I guess the point here is it's not, um, you, you know, there's something slightly paradoxical in that phrase. Mm. So it can't be knowledge as a kind of possession. Mm. Um, um, you know, we can't sort of know the cross in the way that, you know, we know um, um, all sorts of other things. <laughs> mm. um, you know, I guess it's it's a kind of negative knowledge or something like that. Mm. You know, the, the suffering, um, you know, to broaden it out a bit, it, it's always something that unravels us or interrupts mm. us or, yeah. um, um, you know, challenges the ways we think. Um, the, like, I'm just remembering, so in, in North America – um, in hospitals and in doctors' offices, uh, they have these charts on the wall which go from 1 to 10. I don't know if they have these in Australia or not. Um, and, you know, if you go in for something, you're asked to sort of um, say what number of pain mm. you're experiencing. Um, um, but it's just, you know, it's an impossible task because, mm. you know, pain is something that's it's bodily, um, you know, it's it's... Mm. You know, it's private in a certain sense, and it's something that you know we can't really understand mm. or or get a handle on. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I take it that knowing Christ crucified is is, is problematic or paradoxical in, in similar ways. Mm. It's a kind of knowing that's that's you know undergoing something or being interrupted, um, you know, rather than you know something that mm. that you know exists or yeah. is simply there and available to us. Um, yeah, I not. I think I've got off track a little no, bit. No, no, that, um, that's
0: really helpful. Um, and I think that, that that interrupting thing then leads me to this question. So because you have the idea of, you know, wait upon the God who comes to us in Christ. Um, and I'm thinking of Matthew 25 where the God who comes to us in Christ, that Christ who in, then in turn comes to us in the suffering other, in, in the least of these. Um, I think so far like, like a lot of our talk, you know, rightly about discipleship, and share as about our, our own sharing in Christ's suffering, or mm. our own sharing, um, even even sharing in the suffering of the world. Uh How does this the reminder that Christ is that present in the least, and and that when someone when the least comes to us, that comes to us as Christ's presence rather than us kind of going as people who are taking Christ's love to that? Not that it's yeah, again true. a dichotomy, but it's Christ coming to us, and almost we're taking on this posture of disciples receiving salvation in the in the giving of care and the provision of community Um, i guess how does this then expand or yeah maybe expand or open up the connection of suffering the way of the cross the crucified people and discipleship
1: yeah just um uh, so if i've understood the question rightly it's it's a sense of um, of displacement or Christ coming up, coming to us through the other rather than us sort of somehow having some knowledge that we impart or, or take to yeah, us? Is yeah, that, Is that sort of what you're
0: pressing yeah, not Yeah, exactly. Not that we don't have that, but there's yeah. a sense of, we've been talking about we share in the way of the cross and we walk this path of Christ as, as yeah. Christ's disciples, but then there's also this sense that Christ comes to us um, often, you know, in, in those ones that we might have gone to yeah, to share sure. in their sufferings. Like, so um, it's not just this this one-way thing, but that the, the as a disciple, we also then meet Christ in others' sufferings, not just as part of um, sharing just only in Christ's suffering in our own suffering. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. And I think that's, that's closely tied to what I was, uh, you know, trying to talk about in terms of knowing Christ mm. crucified. So... Mm. Um, so again it's not knowledge as a possession that's somehow stable and, and fixed and yep. can be transmitted mm. um from one place to another. Mm. Um it's it's much it's much more sort of that sense of constant interruption or you know being encountered through mm. the vulnerability of others mm-hmm. or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you for that. Um, You did well to make make sense and a good response (laughs) to a very vague question that I had in my head. Uh. You know, and it is like
1: like like, you know, it's 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 incredibly tricky to talk about these things. Mm. You know, these are complex Mm. um, theological ideas that are close to the ground. So, um, you know, inevitably, um, I'm going to get things wrong at points or Mm. sort of emphasise something in ways that you know, to yeah. something else, um, um, well, you know, which is, again, mm. again, a lot of what I feel like I'm doing in this course next week is just trying to sort of circle around a bunch of things in a, in a number of different ways and conversations mm. with different thinkers and texts. Um, you know, how do we think about our own suffering? How do yeah. we think about uh, the fact that God comes to us through the cross? Um, how do we think mm. about how we're, in a call to follow Christ and, and mm. like that. Um, mm. um, so at one level it's very simple, but on another yep. level, I'm just just trying to work
0: out what that means. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, the work of a lifetime. Or is um, it is it one of those things that like do you think you can you can give like a, a thing that this is what discipleship is, or is discipleship more of a you know you're going to know it when you see it or, or when you feel it, uh, or is it some mix, or is that not the right way to be? Uh, no, no. I think
1: it. I, like it's more the latter. So mm. it's, um, you know, Bonhoeffer I think captures this nicely. So so, um, you know, Nachfolger or Nachfolgen in the German. So mm. discipleship is following after, and it has no content or, mm. um, you know, there's no fixed pattern to what the Christian life looks like. Um, you know, it's a simply it's simply following after Christ and mm. being led. To surprising and unexpected places, and you know, being prepared to be constantly changed and mm. challenged through that you know, that process. Mm. And he's drawing that that out, and um, um, you know, through expositing um, the gospels, mm. and especially the synoptic gospels. But um, but I take it you know that's part of what a
0: theology yeah. of discipleship is.
1: Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Thanks for that. So let's do a little more Bonhoeffer and Luther. um, You've written about their contention that it is only the God who is present in the suffering of Christ that provides hope in the midst of our own suffering and sin. Uh, In fact, Bonhoeffer has as a bold line that you quote in one article, is what good does a God do us who is in eternity, stronger than the majesty of the world, stronger than sin and death? This God does not concern us. How can such a God help us? Now, we kind of touched on this a bit way earlier on that, you know, we could all use some hope these days. Uh, you know, as have had the climate change and, and uh, the bushfires, the unprecedented bushfires in Australia, you know, rise of neo-fascism around the world, uh, continued failings of neoliberalism, the erosion of workplace rights and protections, yeah, Facebook, uh, just, you know, um, how do you think, how does this drawing hope from weakness yeah, occur and how does that help us in this situation? And I guess, yeah, how do we remember the weakness of God and from that take strength or at least take heart?
1: Yeah, excellent. So, uh, so you know, certainly um, we all need hope mm. at the moment, but we also need the right kind of hope. So we need a hope that's going to um, help us to... Um, um you know attend to what's going on and respond to what's going on in the world um uh, not a kind of hope that's um uh, you know utopian mm. or uh, escapist or somehow sort of leading mm. us to um, um you know simply avoid mm. the situations that we're in um and I, I guess my claim or my gamble if you like is that bonhoeffer and luther can give us hope in this this sense. So, um, you you know, the hope that God is present and at work, even and especially where we can't see it, Mm. Um, um, you know, a hope that allows us to, um, um, you know, remain, uh, uh, you know, commit to the fact that God is in control, um, but again, not in a way that, leads mm. us to simply avoid our responsibilities. Mm. And, you know, again, as, as with suffering, this is a fine line and it's one that's hard to negotiate well in, in an interview. Um, I like, okay, so I think, you know, perhaps the best, the best figure on this that I'm covering in the course is, is Julian of Norwich, who's often, um, you know, well-known for her line, all will, be, all, will, all will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. I think I've got that right. Mm. Um, You know, clearly she's writing this at a time when things are not well. (laughs) Um, um, You know, they've just had the plague. There's all sorts of political disruption and unrest. Mm. And, um, you know, one way of reading Julian is simply as in denial um, Mm. or, you know, failing to sort of look at what's going on. But the better way of reading her is, is trying to sort of cling to God and a vision of God's goodness and providence mm. um, in a way that's not um, going to simply um, uh, given to cynicism or despair mm. um, in a way that's going to sort of try and, um, um, y- you know, celebrate um, hope and provide means of, of action and response. Mm. And I think it's, it's the same for us is how do we, um, um, you know, Speak of God's goodness and speak of hope. Um, mm. um, you know, even when we can't see a lot of that. Mm. Um, you know, even we can't when we often can't can't see God. And you know, whether it's a political situation or, or climate mm. change or, or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, does that,
0: Yeah, um, and I think that's uh, helpful. I was reading recently um, Terry Eagleton's um, "Hope Without Optimism," and yeah. and he kind of talks about the best of Christian hope, which he kind of talk about shares with with Marxism is that the hope comes only from looking really at the depths, That's only right. from really taking account of the depth and breadth of suffering and pain, and allowing that to affect and change you, and then still f- pushing through that to hope, or still still uh, having hope with that all still in your mind, um, right. rather than kind of this bland optimism, which does can't actually afford to look at the, yeah, the pain of the world no, otherwise no, it, will, it will shatter and that idea even then to go to like you know knowing Christ crucified is knowing that there is hope but it's in that in this paradoxical crucified body in in, in this side of loss and pain and and, and seeming failure that's right uh, and saying. we still say no that's the locus of, of, of our hope and the ground of our faith kind of thing that it comes um, at that point so so hope yeah, you're right. It's this kind of yeah, that's hope exactly. that says all will be well, but is still going like, I know that the plague is there and yeah. that millions have lost their lives and it's it's terrible. Um, because I was thinking it's, it's recently people talking about the climate change thing that there's been a bit of a shift recently. I was reading a piece yesterday about it, which is talking about how... Um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison mm. has seemingly changed a bit of his tune now, which is yes, there's climate change, but it's too late to do anything about it. Right, um, to some extent, like you know, so it was we didn't have to do anything; it's not happening. Oh, it's it must have happened, uh, and it's this doomism. is the way people are kind of talking mm. about it, which seems to be emerging a bit more now. That look, it's too late to do anything, so we shouldn't do anything. That's you fine. know, yeah. now all, best we can do is protect the economy until yeah. the bitter end. Um, and so, so that hope. Is still so important because you know lapsing into doom will, will just as easily will just yeah. will just protect the same status quo that the, the earlier denialism also did.
1: Yeah, no, that's excellent. And like just to broaden out mm. a little, a little more. So a lot of what I see myself as doing with my uh, um, teaching of theology is really just trying to sort of give us it give us ways of thinking and acting mm-hmm. in the midst of crisis
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you know I like, like my commitment is things are going to get worse before they get better <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're in for some hard decades um, um, you know shouldn't we even mm-hmm. um, um, survive that long mm-hmm. and in um, different um, theological thinkers have, grappled with scripture in the midst of different kinds of crises, whether it's Julian or, mm. you know, Bonhoeffer in the context of Nazi Germany, mm. they clearly won't have uh, easy answers for us. But I think, um, you know, being pressed into their thought and the patterns of their thought may give us ways of, mm. um, you know, sustaining, um, um, you know, the Christian life and, mm. um, you know, in the situation that we're in. Um and so this course is, is certainly orientated by that, but mm. you know most of my teaching is on some level, um, you know, uh, my, my commitment is sort of carefully reading uh, Julian of Norwich or mm. Martin Luther or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Sean Copeland, um, um, you know, has something to offer us, not in a sort of direct mm. sense, but um, um, but in ways that can give some depth and help us to sort of keep. Going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important. And I think that kind of leads into pretty much our last question. Um, because I think a lot of times people are going to sign up for a course like this, particularly if you're maybe auditing a subject, because you're like, look, I I need answers right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My church is shrinking, or the world is burning, or um, yeah, I don't feel like I can connect with with people with, you know, and and talk about my faith and what it means to be a someone So I want to come and do this course. And I'm going to get answers and I'm going to be able to, there's this immediate um, application to, to my either my own devotion or I can te- teach my church and we can do this. Mm. Um, and that's coming from a really genuine place. I'm not trying to knock that at all, but I'm wondering how, you know, this thinking about the weakness uh, of God, this thinking about the, our salvation and the, how we, the weakness of God is both the locus of our salvation, the basis of our faith, and this, this connection that's suffering that we've been drawing through, how that, Shifts and maybe even provide some freedom in the way we think about mission and evangelism. The way that kind of affects then how we how we live our Christian lives in witness and yeah. service of the world. How we form our churches and make <laughs> decisions. How it how how this kind of focus on discipleship, as you say, thinking of these, thinking with these writers, allowing us to be you know formed by the pattern of their thought and their work. How that um, and yeah, and holding very much center this this of weakness and suffering in the way of the cross how that then transforms you know our thinking about um, mission and evangelism
1: yeah that's excellent I like the language of freedom a lot and I think um, I think in in some ways my hope is that this kind of theology or you know pressing into scripture in these kinds of ways can help us to be less anxious
0: mm. um,
1: and allow us to just you know, be present and attentive to where we are and, mm. um, you know, those who God, um, um, you know, brings to us or places before us. Um, I, I, to, to sort of give a slightly roundabout answer to the question, um, one of my courses last semester, we read um, Willie Jennings' The Christian Imagination, mm. um, which, you know, is uh, many people will be aware, is just just an extraordinary book. And, and one of the many threads that comes through is um, his, his rich discussion of the failure of many European missionaries to genuinely embrace and join with those they encountered. Mm. Um, um, so there's ways in which they sort of imported and promoted their own framework mm. and assumptions and were unable to sort of attend to you know, how God was present or, um, you know, how Indigenous peoples in various mm. parts of the world were, um, you know, part of um, uh, God's creation and goodness. Um, and, you know, I take it the work of unravelling colonialism and its legacy is going to take a long time. Mm. But one aspect of this is learning to sort of be present and engage others in ways that are, much more open ended and less determined from the outset, um, and, and just much less driven by anxiety or the sense that we have to have the answers or you know know what Christianity is mm. going to look like um, both for ourselves and others. And I think that just that just frees us today for thinking about mission and evangelism um, in ways that are less bound to church growth mm. or less bound to um, uh, you know forms of um, church polity that mm. um, we've existed with up to this point mm. um, you know we see this with the cross um, you know Jesus's own ministry you know seemed to fail mm. um, like he had moments of success but just as often the crowds abandoned him mm. and I think we can take a kind of hope in that you know mm. the cross is the point where God is most present and at work in the world, then, um, you know, we should sit a little more lightly on our own failures Mm. and, you know, recognise that, um, you know, God is present and at work even here. So it's not that we stop, um, (laughs) you know, stop Mm. working and stop, you know, trying to, um, um, you know, convey the good news. Mm. but. Um, but we recognise that it's not in our hands; it's in mm. God's hands, and um, we embrace
0: the the
1: freedom that comes with that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. Thank, I mean. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So now, so the course just to plug it again is is uh, suffering Christ, call Christian discipleship, and the way of the cross. Being taught as an intensive in Port Macquarie starting next week. But if you want to get involved, you still can. Now, many people listening are going to be like, "Well, it's too late, and I can't get to Paul MacQuarie for an intensive. I've used my leave already." Uh, so we should we should take a moment and plug another course that you'll be doing, uh, which is "What Does It Mean to Be Human," uh, which is going to be taught in this in Sydney in the city. That's right. Uh, uh, I can I can put the notes in when yeah. that's happening. Do you often know offhand when that one's being taught? Uh, so it's it's
1: it'll start in the first week of March. at, uh, runs for twelve weeks with a two-week um, mid semester break in the middle. Uh, it, it's going to be taught on uh, in the uniting offices, um,
0: which Street. is on Pitt
1: Street. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. And actually. people can get involved in that. Uh, and do you want to give a quick elevator yeah, pitch sure. for that? So,
1: sorry, um, so the official title of the course is "God and Humanity." Um,
0: oh, yeah. I grab the, the tagline. No, no, so. <laughs> uh, and
1: it, it's, it's really a course on theological anthropology. So, um, you know, what does it mean to be human mm. uh, in relation to God and one another? The way I've focused the course is around uh, questions of disability mm. and experiences of caring for persons with intellectual disabilities. Mm. Um, so it's how that particular field of experience presses us back into the basic questions of who we are. Um, um yeah again in mm. relation to God and others. And I'll also be having some uh, guest lecturers come in for different points and um we'll be covering a range of different material on those themes.
0: Great. Well people should check that out if they can. Uh Mike, do you have anything else you want to plug?
1: No, just um uh, just to say thank you again for mm-hmm. for the interview and the questions and um yeah I'm really happy to um answer through the questions by email
0: or yeah if you're looking for a supervisor Mike's Mike's very nice and friendly and uh, North Parramatta is quite nice too Uh, so well thank you for joining us Uh, and again the info for the course is in the show notes and so is the info for Mike's books Uh, yeah see you guys around thanks Mike thank you